Welcome to the OME Talks Podcast. I'm your host, David Petro. This is the last of three bonus episodes dealing with the upcoming OME 2022 virtual conference in May. In the last two bonus episodes, we heard all of the featured and keynote speakers talking about their sessions, and in this episode, we're going to hear from them again. We asked them all the same question. Now that we're moving back to more face-to-face activities, what things did you do while you were online that you will continue to do now? Or at least something like that. As you will hear, everyone had their own take on that question and sometimes even answered a different question. That being said, we're going to start with Dr. Andrew Allen. I would do a lot more of the asynchronous work that we, we've been doing. We've had to be a little bit more creative going online, realizing that um, I have a much more limited attention span when students are online with me. Um, face-to-face, I could look at my expressions. I could tell when I'm losing someone. I could tell when the kid, when my students are, are excited. So I've gone to a lot of asynchronous work, which means having them go off and do their own research, having them go off and watch YouTube videos or watch uh, TED Talk videos and so on. So I take more advantage of the resources that are out there and things that we can do asynchronously and um, that supports the kind of learning. So I do more of that. That was Dr. Andrew Allen talking about continuing to use asynchronous learning with his pre-service teachers. Next up, we're going to hear from another teacher of teachers, Howie Wa. During online teaching, I don't, and I don't have a full final answer right now, but I've definitely had the question pop up in my mind of what is my role as a math educator? Just because a lot of information is already online. So what am I doing differently? And um, and it's about problem solving. So when I am teaching, you know, how what percent of the class is about problem solving and what percent is actually me just telling them how to think? So just shifting to a more problem solving approach, just because anyone can just look up things online, find the formula, find um, ways to answer a problem. So it, it just ha- it just helped me reflect on what am I doing differently that students cannot just readily look up online. And I think a lot of it is about learning as social, uh, working together, and how are we problem solving. So an example of this was um, a couple, actually it was this past semester where I had students think of a rule and it took about 10 minutes for them to think of the rule. And in my head, I was like, students probably hate me right now. They're probably saying, just give me the answer already. Just tell us the rule. And after they got it, I'm like, like, I'm so sorry about that. I'm sorry that it took 10 minutes. And the students actually said, no, like, thank you. Because like, usually teachers don't give us enough time to think. And that made me really happy. I'm like, wow, like 10 minutes to me seemed like a very long time. But 10 minutes to them, they were grateful that they actually had time to think about, hmm, what is the rule for this? So just shifting more into a problem solving approach and how am I doing things differently than what they can already find online. That was Howie Wah talking about giving more think time for problem solving. 
Next up, we have another professor in the education profession, Dr. Lisa Lenny Borden. Yeah, so teaching uh, math methods classes online last year was quite interesting, and again this year for a couple of weeks. And so I've had to sort of imagine how is it that we engage with hands-on learning in an online world. So, I, you know, I've made a lot of use of, of online tools. Polypad has been a very good friend of mine, designing activities on Polypad where teachers can uh, actually access resources. And in fact, they've built the bucket of zero right in to Polypad for me. So <laughs> that's been an exciting thing. And uh, so I think a lot of using online tools like, you know, math tools, Desmos, Polypad, and even some sharing tools, things like Jamboard and things like that, that you know, I now use in my in-person classes um, as a way to interact as well. And uh, I think we'll, I'll probably keep using those even, even though they started as an online thing. That was Dr. Lisa Lenny Borden talking about the benefits of virtual manipulatives. And although David Porras would be at home talking about using virtual manipulatives, both he and Shelley Yearly are going to talk about assessment. So I would say being in hybrid online schooling for the past two years has really forced the shift that I've been kind of pondering in my head about feedback and grades with students. Uh, I've, I've kind of felt this, this coming the past couple of years in my teaching, the trying to focus less on accumulation of points and how much each assignment is worth and points off and more about focusing on the learning and students being able to set goals appropriate for, you know, for where they are as a math student and helping them find appropriate levels of challenge work. And then trying to partner with them and their parents at the end of an arbitrary time period when grades are due to decide what letter grade best is, is best can be used to summarize their work over the grading period. Uh, and it's it, it's a topic I, I, I'd been thinking a lot about in the past couple of years, but being in a hybrid mode last year with sometimes all virtual really kind of forced me to think about that in a, in a, in a way that was imperative for last school year. Well, it's interesting because we started, when we started the research and had things we wanted to share, we started mobilizing that knowledge uh, in face-to-face constructs. And then we switched to online learning for a variety of reasons with adults. And so we thought about what do we want to carry forward from the face-to-face, which of course, one of the things was engagement. So when we were looking at designing the online learning modules, we really looked at strategies for engaging Uh, our students, which were the teachers, in the learning. And it's been interesting to be through these iterative cycles of online learning with students uh, as a classroom teacher, because I can see that I've brought much of that practice into my online teaching. And I think the one big takeaway from the online work with students is um, we in our board make use of Google Classroom. And uh, because we can't literally hand papers back or meet with students to talk about their progress, we've been using Google Classroom uh, assignments as a bit of a tracker. So it isn't always that they get a mark on it, but there's always um, 
a clear indication that something was expected from students. And what we're noticing is that when they can go into the online environment and see the feedback and see their progress on items, that they are actually more inclined to go back and redo material that they didn't quite get right the first time or that they didn't feel was the best demonstration of their understanding. So what I'm noticing is that by presenting that information in a virtual environment, students are actually self self motivating to engage in mastery learning and they're going back and redoing pieces over and over again until they get a good understanding of it. So that is something that when we went back to -to face-to-face in the fall, I continued and I would certainly continue again if we move back to -to face-to-face after this uh, round. That was Shelley Yearly, and before that, David Porras talking about methods of assessment that they will carry over from online into face-to-face. Up next, we'll hear about collaboration from Vanessa Vicaria and Matt Parker. Oh my gosh, there are so many things. Honestly, I've got to say that I love, love, love having all of my meetings online. Like I just, the amount of time I save not having to schlep to a coffee shop to meet up with someone is one of my favorite things. So I'll definitely keep doing that online. I've been able to connect with so many more people and so many people globally and even just catching up with friends online that I wouldn't normally talk to as often as I do. That's been really, really amazing. And also I'm in a band. So I actually am in a rock band. So my dreams did come true, everyone. And one of my favorite things is co-writing with people online. So there's been a really great surge of musicians writing songs with one another. And again, like musicians that you normally wouldn't like have access to. So writing songs online has been really, really awesome. And it's been really great for my creativity and just a great way to collaborate with them. I think the one big benefit I found doing things online and this sounds obvious when you say it out loud it's just the range of people you can collaborate with and i did a little bit of this before the pandemic but mainly just because it was easier than traveling into london where a lot of my you know co-creative people live but now during the pandemic i've been able to work with people all around the world record and do like collaborative youtube videos with people in different continents and you still got time zones to juggle and you got to be a little careful because one thing we have learned is people can hit kind of, you know, Zoom fatigue, like video conferencing fatigue pretty quick. But as long as you put the effort in, the fact that I can now do a collaborative YouTube video with anyone in the world or work on something mathematical, articles, writing the works, the fact that it is now accepted and easy to work with people all around the planet, I'm very much intending to continue taking that. Uh, keep keep collaborating far and wide, even when life does re- return to quote-unquote normal. That was Matt Parker and Vanessa Vicaria talking about how easy it is to collaborate while online. In our last group, we'll hear from Sunil Singh, Marion Small, and Peter Lilliedahl, where they'll talk more about how working online reminded them more of the importance of the human element in teaching. So, I did, I've been doing uh, online learning teaching with something called Dexter, which is based out of the US. They have a brick and mortar school in Wichita Falls, Texas, but they have an online component. And um, I did, I was teaching sixth graders uh, online 
And to be fair, what made it a lot easier was that they said you can teach anything you want. You come up with the curriculum. So, you know, uh, there was no curriculum constraints. Whatever you, you know, you know, moves your heart, whatever you think the kids in sixth grade are going to be, you know, go wow at. And one thing which I learned is that when the content is rich, you get, of course, you know, richer uh, sort of reflections and explorations from the students. And then that piece, which you just can't really do, which is online, remote, through that uh, technological interface, that's the part that you're missing. Like the, you're, you're getting as much human as possible coming through, you know, with, you know, chatting and all that. But the part that you realize that will always be the most important element of a classroom teacher is the real in-person human contact where you can see you know uh, facial expressions and things like that there's there's that there's something which cannot be replicated so if you put really good content and pedagogy the part that's going to really sort of you know amplify it is that human relationship that when we do get back one of the things that has mattered the most to me about the experiences we've had online is that when I'm speaking to teachers, because I would be speaking to teachers rather than students online, I realized how important it is to me to be able to see their faces because what I watch from my audience gives me the kind of feedback I need to go and do the right things for them. And I think that's a message that is important for teachers, that it's not always what the kid is saying. It's looking at the whites of their eyes and deciding how is that kid really responding? How are they really reacting? How are they really feeling about what I said? And that may be more important than what they say to give me feedback about what should happen next. Well, I'm not sure that there's so much that I want to carry over when we move back to face-to-face, but I think that there's certainly been things that we've always taken for granted in the face-to-face environment that we have realized are important when we lost them in the online environment. So for example, the, the incredible power that proximity plays in the way students learn. So, so We've seen this over and over and over again, especially as we've been ping-ponging back and forth between the face-to-face and online, how being close to a student promotes a different type of thinking, engagement, and learning than when you're at a distance from them. And by close, I, I, I don't just mean being in the same room with them. I mean being actually shoulder-to-shoulder with them. And likewise, students being shoulder-to-shoulder with each other as opposed to coming through a screen or being at a distance from each other. So I think... One of the things I'm really going to carry into the face-to-face environment again is attending to those things that were lost and now found again and how they actually have impact on teaching and learning in ways that we hadn't really paid attention to before. That was Peter Lilliadal, Marion Small, and Sunil Singh finishing off the rest of our featured and keynote speakers from OME 2022, answering the question of what they learned in the online environment that they will carry forward as we move back to more face-to-face. Well, that's going to do it for our bonus preview episodes talking about the upcoming OME 2022 virtual conference. Registration is now open and the conference is filling up fast. 
More information can be found at oime2022.ca. Coming up, we'll have one more bonus episode where we'll ask the same question to all of the guests who've been on the OME Talks podcast this season. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, stay safe.